Welcome to Bad Gamers Anonymous, a weekly podcast made by gamers for gamers. We discuss retro gaming and issues that gamers care about. We also review indie games and popular titles. Here are your hosts, Bad Gamer Bishop, Bad Gamer Garrick, and Bad Gamer Crowley. Wait, do these idiots not know what anonymous means? Get good scrubs. Yes, indeed. Still no new intro and no new logo. But this is still Bad Gamers Anonymous, where we just can't do anything in a timely fashion. Uh, we don't know what the meaning of the word anonymous means. I'm your host, Mr. Crowley, joining me as he does every week just about. It is our friend. It is our colleague. It is our partner in crime. It is the, the Melba to our toast. It is Garrick. Anonymous. Adjective. <sighs> of a person. Not identified by name of unknown name. I'm not. Or having no outstanding individual or unusual Why? features, unremarkable or impersonal. Why? Why would you do this? Now we have now to change our know. name. Now we have to change our name because now we know what anonymous means. Bad gamers. <laughs> must. Oh, you've ruined it. You've ruined everything. Garrick ruins right. everything. That should be a show. Uh, oh my god right it should be it totally should uh so how was your week garrick or four days i think it's been since we podcasted last <laughs> curse you e3 curse you it's been uh it's it's still been busy e3 keeps pumping out news so right. following everybody every day on each stage trying to find out every extra little tidbit as they're talking to the press and as the press are writing things up um we're just getting more and more details of that stuff yeah, uh, well, you are. I'm not because I don't care. I stopped caring uh, after I found out E3 was going to happen again this year. You didn't even watch E3. I didn't. I didn't. However, I did catch tidbits on my timeline of games that I was really excited about. We'll get in to all of this here pretty quick. But uh, tomorrow is Father's Day. We're recording Saturday, June 16th. So tomorrow is Father's Day. It's your first Father's Day. It's my second yes, Father's indeed. Day. You excited? I I am. I'm working. Well, <laughs> When I get off, uh, yeah, the wife and I are going to celebrate. Um, I've already gotten presents from my mom in, so super stoked. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so what are, what are your plans to celebrate tomorrow? I have no idea. Probably staying at home and not doing anything. Well, that Taking a nap. Sounds awful. I uh, have got some cigars, and I got $160 bottles of, uh, $160 bottle of scotch. I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow. Very, very much looking sounds forward to glorious. tomorrow. It does, doesn't it? Gonna get some quiet time. The wife's gonna take the kiddo out. They're gonna go shopping for some flowers now that the the house is done, and uh, this is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be an amazing quiet day for Crowley. Looking forward to it. Old man naps all day long. Nice. Right. So let me tell you about my week. I got a call saying that I won two point five million dollars. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, the, the gentleman was calling from Kingston, Jamaica, or a cell phone from a uh, Kingston, Jamaica uh, area code. And he had a Middle Eastern accent. Never said my name. Never said my address. Said he was with Publishers Clearinghouse. Uh, the conversation deteriorated to the point where he said he was going to bomb my house. And I asked him how relations with his goat was going. Uh, he then hung up. So Nice. I don't, nice. I don't think Classic. I, yeah, I don't think I really won two point five million. But no. he did say he was gonna come to my house. He did. He did say that. And I said, Well, I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> and he never did. So 
Uh, on a re- weirdly related note, I did set up the ring security system, <laughs> and it's amazing. It's I had it set up before this jerk called, so but it was absolutely this thing is glorious. Like, but it's trying to figure out like the motion detector and the sensitivity on it, still kind of getting that zeroed in. But it's so cool. Comes to your phone technology. It is it is a wonderful wonderful thing. So that's been that's been my week. Nice. Right. So let's just jump right into it. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff this week. We're going to talk about, obviously, some things from E3, things that uh, maybe Garrick wants to talk about, that he saw, things that I want to talk about that I didn't see, which I'm kind of weirdly upset about. I want to talk a little bit about Spider-Man. We're also going to talk about why gamers game and why gamers uh, want to complete games, uh, what drives them. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit, and I say a little bit, but the show notes are about, I don't know, 80%, 85% Fallout 76 from Bethesda. Now, we didn't mention this at all uh, on our E3 reaction show, just because there was so much stuff we were trying to pack in. And this is a game that I think, and Garrick thinks, that uh, needs to have just a little more of a spotlight shown on it. So we're, so we're going to dig into Fallout 76, and uh, we're going to talk about that game coming out from Bethesda uh, later this year, supposedly, uh, sometime in November. So uh, let's just, like I said, dive right in. Uh, it's time for Garrick's Gregarious Games. That's what I was afraid of. Oh, you yeah, even added a little baby. You even added a little at the end. That's yeah. nice. I like that. Very good. All right. Hey, I'm Garrick. I like games. First, I want to talk about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I know some of you think I may be a Nintendo fanboy. Yep. That's not true. It is true. I'm just a video game fanboy. And this game mashes up the biggest collaboration event for gaming history with so many different franchises under the same umbrella. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate combines every single Smash Brothers character from previous games and just throws it in here. And then we're getting Ridley from Metroid. And then we're also getting, for the first time ever, Princess Daisy from the Super Mario series. So, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's a good time, guys. It's a great time. You're as much a Nintendo fanboy as Cab is an Xbox fanboy. I don't think that's necessarily true. <laughs> what, that he's an Xbox fanboy? Or that no, you're as much? I'm, uh, I'm not to that level. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. I don't think anyone's to that level, but Cap. Love you, Cap. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super stoked for Super Smash Brothers. I, I really haven't get it, gotten into any of the recent Smash games since N64, the very first one. Right. Um, I didn't have a GameCube, and so I missed out on that, and everyone says that the GameCube version was the best one. I didn't have a Wii, so I missed out on the Wii version. How did and you I didn't not have a Wii? Smash again until, I know, right? Everyone else did. I got a Wii U specifically because I didn't have a Wii and it was backwards compatible. So I was like, cool, I'll get the new system. I can play all the old games. And so I got the new Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and it wasn't very good at all. So, and nobody played it because nobody owned the Wii U. I'm excited to get back into it. Uh, From all the changes being talked about this iteration, it's not just a port from the Wii U version. It is a wholly new Super Smash Brothers game. The combat is a little bit more fast and frantic. Um, Like I said, all the previous characters are added into the game, and there are a 
plethora of changes that they have made to each and every character to make it feel just a little bit better and fine-tuned. Just just smart stuff. Um, I, don't know, I it's it's too too detailed for me to get into, and that was what Nintendo spent half of their direct talking about, which was a little annoying. But I'm kind of excited for the new Super Smash Brothers, and most excited that I'll be able to take it on the go. So even people who don't have a Switch yet, I can just kind of set it up, give them a controller, and say, "Cool, let's smash." Well, that sounds bad. Never mind. Yeah, that does sound bad. <laughs> it on, it, it, on multiple levels, not just the level that you you yeah. Anyway, okay. Hey, babe, want to smash? Yeah, look, this is smash, Super Smash Bros. This is what I meant. <clears throat> right, look, I have a Nintendo uh, Switch, and I have no plans on ever playing this game with anybody ever, ever, ever. That's fine, because you're just kind of a, a lonely, lonely old soul. Yeah, that's Stay fine. in your your little house with your new security system, and your new siding, and you just kind of. And my three firearms, I will. <laughs> I will get off my lawn. Next, Next. Po- oh Next. no, Pokemon! Really? Didn't we talk about Pokemon enough at after E three? I mean, did we? Yes, we did. Like you mentioned, Pokemon for just a second, and that was totally enough. <laughs> I don't think it's enough. Again, excited for Pokemon. Uh, another Nintendo game. Come on, guys. What do you expect? It's uh, changing up a lot this year. I'm I'm a kind of hesitant about this year's pokemon game but from all the stuff i'm seeing just a lot of the changes they're making are kind of some ideas sound really cool some ideas meh the most meh idea is the fact that when you're catching pokemon like you actually have to like toss the switch controller or get this accessory and toss that or there are like non-motion controls for catching pokemon but it still involves like kind of flicking the analog stick so i don't know how i feel about this i always like just pressing a button and letting the the percentage chance do its number crunching behind the scene it's kind of integrating that pokemon go catching aspect that's the only thing i don't like about this but otherwise all the changes look really cool you can see the pokemon on the over map now you don't just have random battles in the grass um you can see little auras around them blue if they're super tiny and red if they're super big pokemon for their types what it looks like this is going to do is incentivize catching a whole bunch of different Pokemon because you kind of don't have limitations anymore. It just kind of wants you to, to catch everything you want. And each time you catch a Pokemon, everyone in your party is going to gain experience points and level up. Um, I actually didn't see any battles against wild Pokemon. It was just catching them straight out. The battles were only against other trainers. So I'm... I'm as in and on that part as well, but I'm stoked because we're going back to Kanto region. So this is a remake of the very first Pokemon games, specifically Yellow. Um, I don't know. I just think it's fun to see Pikachu riding on your shoulder and other Pokemon following behind you. Oh, are Got you it? are you done? Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry did, you take, did you take a nap while I, I was kinda talking? I kind of zoned out there for a minute because I don't care about Pokemon. Like, I hope nobody's driving while they're listening to this because you may have just caused several accidents because you put people to sleep because nobody cares about Pokemon but you. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily true. It's fairly accurate. A lot of people like Pokemon. Uh, Yeah, they're 10-year-olds. I mean, yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. Anything else in Gregarious Gaming 
segment. Last up, I want to talk about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. This is coming from Koji Igarashi, who is the creator of the Castlevania games. This is coming out on all platforms, but the gameplay we're seeing just it looks more fine-tuned and better and better every year. You play as this chick who's kind of a demon. Um, it's that same side-scrolling action. It is 3D graphics, but it is still the old-school Castlevania, Metroidvania mm-hmm. um, dungeon-crawling aspect where you're going around different levels, uh, hitting lanterns and getting power-ups. Mario doesn't even do this anymore. That is well, no, he does. Kind he just of, haven't gotten uh, his yeah, yeah. version for the Switch yet. They did a uh, new Super Mario Bros. U. Whatever. The sound. Why? Why would anybody play this? Any Who, Castlevania fans would. I'm a Castlevania fan. I would like why to see. Why would you play this? Because I want to see Castlevania brought into the next generation. I want to see they Castlevania look more. Done that. I don't remember anything like this ever. Castlevania, hold on, they're really bad. Oh, well, see, they're really bad. Can't we get a good Castlevania game? Castlevania, Lords of Shadows, and Lords of Shadows uh, 2. And no, we won't, because the creator of Castlevania left Konami. Right, well. So any Castlevania game is going to be absolute garbage. Well, look, I, okay. I suppose that argument could be made, but couldn't the argument also be made that new blood sometimes helps? A fresh perspective, new sets of eyes on the same problem. I mean, yes and no. They did that. We got the Castlevania Lord of Shadow games, and they're terrible. Okay, well, then let's maybe not let that guy do it again. (laughs) They did it twice in a row. Well, don't let that guy back at it. Let's not, like, third time might not be a charm with that guy. Let's get a new guy. Let's get somebody else in. Let's give Ferris a chance. Get him a mountain of blow and tell him to make a new Castlevania game. Let's not, please. In other news, the Castlevania TV series on Netflix is oh, really it's freaking good. Not good at all. I Why tried. Not? I tried watching it. I could not get into it. Not one. No, I couldn't. I tried. I, I literally gave it my best. I think there were what four or five episodes in the first season. Yeah, there's only like four episodes. Yeah, and I got to three, and I just like I don't care. This is not good. So I, I stopped watching it. Fair enough. There's a season two coming. I'm I'm excited for it. Mm, Crowley. Yes, what sir. What did you see during E3? Uh, welcome to Crowley's Corner. Hey, big boy. Uh, do you want to play a game? Let's let's talk about uh, what I what I didn't see first at E3. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was not mentioned at all during E3, and you're gonna say, well, why would they mention it at E3? Because you know. There was a release date. You shouldn't. Well, you know, they typically don't mention games, but Spider-Man was everywhere. That was like one of the big things that people talked about was Spider-Man. Like people came away from that saying, I played Spider-Man and I felt like a superhero. Got people really excited for the game that may not have been excited for the game beforehand. Now we get Red Dead Redemption 2. People are very excited for this. And nobody mentions it. I feel like the excitement level, and they kind of tried to capitalize on E3 by, like, PlayStation had uh, this big reveal of, like, what you get with the with the physical collector's edition, which is kind of crap, and with the ultimate edition. Yeah, it looks really bad. It's like a box full of nothing really right. interesting. It's like a map and some like, nothing. It's like just nothing that anybody Playing would. cards and, yeah, yeah. Nobody would want this stuff. It's, it's 
way more than a hundred dollars worth and that's how much they're wanting for the stupid thing right i i just like i would rather get the the ultimate digital edition and do away with all of the physical crap and just get all the in-game stuff like that's what i would rather do yeah absolutely but yeah i'm a little lack uh disappointed in the which makes me think like you're if you're in the same boat that i am i'm a little worried about this game now (laughs) Like, if they didn't want to show it at E3, because this is coming out in October, right? Spider-Man hits in September. Spider-Man was all over E3. They were wanting people to play it. They were showing people tons of gameplay footage. We got gameplay footage of Ghost of uh, Tsushima. Tsushima, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And that game's not coming out for what? Another year at least? At least, yeah. And they couldn't couldn't even show up at E3. I'm scared for what this game might be. (laughs) I'm not Rockstar and Take Two. They they never show up at E3, so this is not unusual for them. They do their own thing. I guarantee you that in a couple weeks we're gonna see some kind of picture go up on Twitter that's gonna like count down something that's like a reveal, and then they're gonna and it's it's gonna be a countdown to the reveal of a release date for when they're gonna talk about a trailer. <laughs> right? Like, can we get more convoluted there, Rockstar Take Two? So they'll, they'll give us a date that we'll actually get more information, but um, yeah, Rockstar just kind of does their own thing. They're they're just that big of a publisher. Well, yes. I guess they're a developer, but Take Two kind of lets them do their own thing. Well, that's because um, they're so successful. So they, I mean, they have success exactly. with almost everything they touch. They they want to control their message, and they don't want anyone to even think about other games. So they they always kind of skip E3. Wow, well, that's silly. <laughs> Silly, 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 because I would like to see it compete with the likes of Spider-Man. Because, like, you're getting Spider-Man at the end of September. You're getting... Uh, the beginning. Or the beginning of September, right. And then you're getting... September 7th. So you've got to get through that by, what, October 26th? Is that the release date right now yep. for... for I mean, so yeah, so so you have uh, more than a month and a half between them. Right, so you've got to get through all of Spider-Man content that you want to get through. You got to plow through that because I feel like Red Dead Redemption with the online aspect is going to be one of those games where you're just going to get lost in. So I'm looking forward to that, but I was disappointed that they didn't show up at E3. Uh, Great. Uh, I I saw some more uh, of Creed, the the PSVR, the VR uh, boxing game at E3. Yeah. And I was very excited for what I saw. Like this this game looks, looks very... Like you've got to move around. You can't. They said you can't just. You would punch yourself out if you, like, you would get physically tired if you just kind of moved your arms to, to, to punch all the time. So you can't do that. Like you have to think like a boxer. So I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited for what I saw there. And I'm always excited for new VR games. I think that's the future of gaming. I hope that's the future of gaming. So any leaps that I see. Uh, I get super excited for and Creed is definitely one of those where I really liked what I saw uh, on the stage uh, for uh, PlayStation. So nice. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, uh, let, let me talk just real quick about Mario World Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Whatever it's called. <laughs> they should have called it Super Crap World fan service crap that you should never play crap. I don't think that name would sell. Probably not. And this game probably shouldn't have either it's just not good like i don't i don't want to i don't want to hate on it but at the same time i'm going to hate on it 
Because it's just, I can't get into it. Now, I finished the main story. I, I saved Princess Peach from Bowser. And then she didn't want anything to do with either of us. And <laughs> tried to leave us on the moon. And like I had to do some kind of weird spin kick to get on the ship. Like, why am I on the moon for a wedding, number one? Number two, why is Princess Peach leaving me? Uh, and number three, what's with the hats? Like, so the, the, the story is that this hat world has their veil stolen. And so the top hat boyfriend or husband or whatever, I don't know, has to team up with Mario to save the veil because Bowser has kidnapped Princess Peach to marry her. I, it's just it's so stupid. It's just silly. I mean, that's always the plot. Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach. This year they won up it. Uh, or I guess last year, and they're like, "Cool, this time it's specifically kidnapped for marriage." Right. I don't know. The gameplay had some great moments. Had some like when you get to turn into Bowser at the very end to escape the moon. That Spoilers. was that was fun. Look, this game's what a year old. Not even. It's about seven months old. Okay, seven months old. If you haven't played this game by now, sorry, I don't care. I don't know, man. I am I am I alone in thinking it's just kind of meh. I mean, personally, I don't like these games, so when I got a copy, I just didn't get into it. Um, I don't think that's so much the game as it is just us. It's, it's not our kind of game. Um, it is the best-selling game on the Nintendo Switch. I think it has something like a 65% attach rate, meaning two-thirds of the people who own a Switch own this game. Well, sure, but let's. <laughs> the only other game that could give it a run for its money is Zelda. And that is the number three What's best number two? game on the Switch. Mario Kart, baby. A yeah, I have. You know game. what? I have Mario Kart. Exactly. And I it's I played it for like a couple of hours, but it's more fun when you play with friends. It definitely is. So I, I just I just haven't gotten around to playing it as much as I probably should. I don't know. I it, It's probably just me. I just don't care for it. Like, I'll keep playing it because it's a great time waster. When I can't get downstairs to play the PS4 and I'm watching, watching, uh, you know, my daughter and during the day and she's running around, I have to like be able to pay attention to her. So mm -hmm. it's all right, I guess. But meh, I don't know. Uh, the other, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is I finally got to play Hours of Darkness, the fi uh, Far Cry Five DLC uh, with Mike from the Cantina Cast. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun but again i don't want to poo poo this because it is a lot of fun uh but the lack of weapons um that you get in the hours of darkness dlc which i get you're kind of prohibited in what you have because of the story you're in vietnam and you somehow get captured by uh the vc and then the uh the the vc decide to uh uh they're gonna they're going to kill you, but they get napalmed, but you don't die from the napalm, so you escape. And so you're trying to make it to uh, uh, an escape landing zone, uh, an LZ. Anyway, uh, I get why they did it, because it's not historically accurate for you to be running around with all these weapons as you. And it certainly doesn't make sense in the story. So, I don't know. It just feels very restrictive. The same with, with uh, uh, vehicles. Like the lack of vehicles in this DLC that you're able to get until later on in the in the mission. It's only about twelve hours long. Again, still, it feels very restrictive, very restrictive. And it's just kind of when you're playing with somebody else, you kind of want to. We've talked about this before. You want to suspend disbelief or suspend belief 
you want to go into that world. You want to immerse yourself and you just want to have fun. And so sometimes in these types of games, it's better to be less than historically accurate just to make it more fun. So, but it's very straightforward. It is fun. But, you know, I think Mike and I played for almost three or four hours tonight. And at the end, he's like, let's just try to get out of here. <laughs> like, all right, let's go. We got a yeah, I've, I've heard there are some kind of disappointing aspects of it, in particular, the kind of stealth gameplay for this was just seemed unnecessary and kind of shoehorned in. Did you, I don't did you know. Think that? I don't know if I would call it shoehorned in. I mean, you're in the jungle, right? So yeah. you you've got to try to avoid the VC because you're you're or they call them the 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 VNA the the Vietnamese North Army, or the NVA Northern Vietnamese. It doesn't matter. They're they're basically the Viet Cong, and the bad guys. Yeah, Charlie is what they used to call them. Uh, <laughs> so you're you're trying to avoid them, right? Because you you have escaped their death camp. Right, they've got you in this bamboo cage, and napalm d- kills everyone around you but you, like miraculously. It's because you're American. You got superpowers. America, right? But it killed. They killed your American buddy. So well, they weren't really American. They were mixed. They, they, <sighs> okay. were, they were second generation. Stop being racist. So, <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if it's shoehorned in. Like you legitimately should probably try to avoid them in real life and just get to the LZ. But you keep getting these missions like, hey, three of your buddies are captured and alive. Hey, there are these uh, American sympathizers there that want that want your help. Uh, hey, uh, there's some uh, generals or, or lieutenant colonels there that you need to kill. Sounds like Navi from Legend of Zelda. Hey, listen. Yeah, except it's cooler because it's like Python 235. That's what that's your call sign is Python 235. I don't know. Anyway. Why do you think you're called Python? I can tell you why. I <laughs> hey, pants. big boy. Let's Wanna play a game. Yeah. Uh, no, let's not. So that's Crowley's Corner. Let's talk about Fallout 76. Yes, let's. Then, I can't uh, wait for this game. Why? Uh, For me, this is just my kind of game. Uh, It's a Fallout game, so post-apocalyptic future setting, but it's a survival game. So you have to worry about let's, food and water. Let's pretend for just uh-huh, a second uh-huh. that uh-huh, Crowley uh-huh. has never played a Fallout game. Okay, okay. Explain to me the world of Fallout. Fallout is an alternative timeline where basically in World War II, we went to an alternative fuel source for nuclear power. Nuclear power powers everything. There is no fossil fuels. There is no diesel, gasoline. Everything is nuclear powered, including even our vehicles. So in this timeline, everything looks very kind of 50s, 60s style. The cars are very 50s, 60s style with this futuristic, like, nuclear fusion twist to it. So in this timeline, the Cold War, not so cold. And we actually get bombed to hell by the russians i believe it's the russians we just get bombed nuked the entire u.s nuked and there are these vaults i don't know exactly how many there are but i'm gonna say 500 all over the united states and these things were kind of like i guess testing grounds each one had separate experience experiments going on in them one of them was experiment on uh, like dictatorships. One of them was an experiment on 
like if you only had x amount of years to live one of them was an experiment on how much people can withstand radiation over a sustained timeline one of them was an experiment on um like cryo freezing and you know saving a, a generation of humanity for the future and all these experiments kind of go awry in one way or another and all fail in one way or another and just weird stuff happens because of them fallout 76 or rather vault 76 is a control vault it is not done anything to it is just kept keep the status quo you have plenty of food and water and we're not messing with your mind in any sort of way and then i think it's 25 years after the bombs drop you actually go back out to the wasteland uh to reclaim the lost land but fallout is just basically it's all about coming out of a vault hundreds usually didn't they do a movie didn't they the do movie. a movie about this with brendan Fraser back in the day not that i know of where where he and his family were stuck in a uh in a uh, uh fallout shelter for uh, 20 30 years and then he came out and had no idea how the the modern world worked i believe they did yes. a movie blast from the past yes see see so basically what you're com. saying what you're saying is Fallout 76 is a Brendan Fraser movie. It is a Brendan Fraser movie where the bombs actually dropped. Okay. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. So why is this game <laughs> why is this game different than Fallout Fallout 2 and Fallout 3? Fallout 4. So what Bethesda did while they were developing Fallout 4 was they kind of toyed with the idea of what if we had an online structure to it and it became a little bit of a giant project that they couldn't do with fallout 4 so it became its own separate thing they had to hire in online network coder people um there's a really cool documentary from no clip that goes a little bit more in depth it's like 30 40 minutes long but they talk about how all these kind of development styles needed to change there's this thing called atlas in fallout where basically atlas is holding up the entire world he is what you basically he, he is essentially around the player and he's holding up the world that the player sees and they had to find a way to break atlas so to speak they had to make atlas everywhere because this game is completely online and so you're playing with a whole bunch of other players atlas can't just be in one place holding up the world for just that one player he has to be everywhere everything needs to be rendered simultaneously for every player at any time so there were just a bunch of networking things that they had to work around for that aspect and design things they had to fine-tune so it's the first time ever that bethesda is kind of changing up the way they've ever made a game since oblivion or morrowind i think since morrowind um, they've kind of kept the exact same development style since then. And it's the first time Bethesda Games proper has ever made an online game. So it's really interesting just seeing them kind of bring a single-player game online but retain as much of the old infrastructure as possible. So does this mean that we're going to see a Skyrim-type game online at some point? Is very this, possible is this like their venture into the online like mmo type world like this isn't a proper mmo is it 
Correct. It's not a proper MMO. You have essentially these kind of shard servers. Um, you're not going to have to worry about the servers at all. You just kind of log in. For anyone who knows Conan Exiles or Ark Survival Evolved, you kind of get the, the idea of that. In Ark, for instance, you have to select what kind of server you want to go to. Um, each, server's, each server is numbered, has different you know ping statistics you have to worry about. And this one, you don't have to worry about that. It's just going to drop you in the game. It'll drop you in a server, whatever. All your progress carries over regardless, whereas Ark, you're kind of locked into that server. That's where your character data is kept. Um, in Fallout, you can build anywhere you want. You're going to be in an online group with dozens of people, not hundreds of people. I think Ark limited you to 70 people. This game, I believe they said they're going to limit you to about 24 people per server. And That's a lot as of servers. Now, at least you'll be able to see everyone on the map. I think that'll change later, too. That's a lot of servers. If it's 24 yeah. people per shard, wow. So I don't know if they're going to fine-tune that and kind of bump that number up, and we just won't know a final tally, but I think right now they're working with 24 as being the, the player size. I wonder if that's due to constraints with the technology they're using or if that's just to make sure it runs smoothly. That's a good question, and I think it's going to have a little bit of both involved. I mean, Ark Survival Evolved, not the most pretty game. It's okay, but Fallout is notably better looking than it. Uh, Conan Exiles, same thing. It just doesn't look nearly as good as Fallout as a AAA published game. Now, Bethesda hasn't just done this as their online games. Um, their parent company, Zenimax, has actually dived into online gaming before. And Elder Scrolls Online has been around for years. It's actually one of the best-selling online games ever. So well, is this... I say online games, best-selling MMOs in particular. So is this going to be a PvP game? Or is this it has all... PvP aspects, So yes. it's PvE mostly. It's mostly PvE. They're calling it softcore survival, which when they announced it, they kind of joked that it sounds like it should be something else instead. Right. Um, but it's basically when you die, you don't have loss of progress. One of their trailers did show uh, like players fighting and you killing another player. You actually earned currency for having killed him. Um, so I guess that'll be one of the main kind of currency drivers is maybe PvP. We have yet to see. But... Yeah, you, you can definitely kill people and be killed by people, but it's not going to reset your progress. You're not going to lose your items. Um, there's almost no real gain from it from what I've seen yet. It looks a lot more beneficial to work together in units or groups or communities um, than it does working against each other. So Bethesda's actually dropped several missile silos around the map um, with nuclear weapons so you can actually go to one of these nuclear silos you have to find all these key cards first with a code the nuclear launch code but you can actually launch missiles all across the map wherever you want so if somebody is being particularly mean to you just partner up with a whole bunch of people who have also been been mean to and go out find these key cards you can blow up their site now it doesn't sound like it'll be a permanent destruction. Like you can't completely annihilate someone's base. sounds like you'll damage it pretty hard and then it'll kind of pack up their base and they can't be in that spot anymore. Um, 
what that does is it basically creates a high level almost raid like zone for you guys to go into and get super high level materials and that you can only get that way so you can kind of combat griefers and there is that aspect where griefers could just band together and get all the nuclear launch codes and just kind of blow everyone else up so either you can take care of the griefers or the griefers can take care of you Exactly. What I'm excited to see, Bethesda said that they're going to kind of limit that. Like, you're not going to be allowed to build near the vault exit. But um, I'm curious if there's going to be enough kind of atomic launch codes around and, and missile sites around that you could essentially create this wall around the Fallout 76 exit. And so that new players who come in, who come out of that vault, they can't leave. Because they're covered by completely irradiated zones. We haven't seen anything yet, right? This is just all talk from Bethesda. But, I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of issues that they still, I would hope, have looked into and kind of figured out, okay, this is what we could do to kind of limit it, to make sure that the griefers don't have an advantage, to make sure that, you know, groups don't have an advantage. Because it doesn't sound like, because it's not an MMO proper, you're not going to have guilds are you but you can have communities but even those communities can be targeted by griefers yeah so they haven't said anything about clans or guilds or anything like that any kind of like listed players and i don't know if you're ever going to see something like that if the shards are going to be that small um that would be really cool to see and and hopefully we do see something kind of similar to it that in the future like maybe a small group of like a dozen players can band together and so every time you drop in you're always dropping in with players that are part of that right like how Um, do you play with your friends then yeah so you can automatically join friends no worries and you can build your base wherever you want anything you've built it will carry over with you shard to shard and if it can't be carried over like if somebody else had already built there it'll be packaged up for you to kind of lay down wherever else you want so they're not completely getting rid of your bases. Now, I kind of like and I don't like that because the map in Fallout 76 is four times larger than Fallout 4's map. That is a lot of space to cover. So there are going to be these very sweet spots, and you're going to want to build there specifically. But I'm sure if they're a sweet spot, everyone else is going to want to build there too. I don't know. I don't know. I they definitely it's... have some things they need to work out. Yeah, I think it's going to be something that we're going to just have to wait and see. I mean, it sounds interesting, but does it sound interesting enough for those of us who've never played a Fallout game, which I know we're in the minority, to pick up and get into and and know that Bethesda has done a good job? I mean, this is their first foray into it, and I think anyone who's played MMOs or any type of online game know not every developer should get into the online world. Yeah, you're, you're getting a developer who's well-known for how buggy and glitchy their games are, and you're adding in an online infrastructure on top of that, it's going to be very interesting for sure. I'm expecting some problems the first couple weeks after launch. Well, sure, but their their level of glitchiness is not the level of glitchiness that you see from, for example, Warhorse Studios. Now, that's not a slam on Warhorse Studios. They are a smaller independent studio that that put out an amazing game in Kingdom Come Deliver. Actually... Yeah, it is. What do you mean? 
their bugs are pretty notorious for having corrupting save files. Well, sure, for but they get the game. But because Bethesda is such a large company or a larger company than Warhorse Studios, they're able to squash those bugs relatively quickly in comparison to Warhorse Studios. That is true. Okay. So, yeah, any any problems you see pop up during launch, yeah, Bethesda, I guarantee you, is going to squash them as quickly as they're able, um, which will be a lot faster than smaller teams such as Warhorse. Not to, yeah, again, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not slamming Warhorse. They put out an amazing game for such a small studio. It's still one of my top games this year, Kingdom Come Deliverance. But they they can't. They're still putting out fires, so to speak. Yeah. Exactly. They're, you know, and they don't get their patches out as quickly as larger studios. And again, that's not a slam on them. I love them. And I think at the end of the year, when we do our year end show, they're, they're going to be right there. Uh, but, but Bethesda can get them out, put these fires up relatively quick. I mean, like exactly. you said, two weeks after launch, it's going to be pretty smooth. Yeah, I, I don't foresee there being too many issues, at least with the online infrastructure, um, a couple weeks after launch. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, though. We yeah. will see how it goes. So what are some of the highlights of this game that you're excited for? So for me, the, the main thing is just being able to play Fallout with friends. I have been wanting a Fallout online game for years. I kind of got it with Elder Scrolls Online. So I got a, a Skyrim Online, as some people like to call it. Um, and I love that game. And you should play with me because I'm bored. Uh <laughs> But this this is right up my alley. It's it's adding online to Fallout. It's not making it an MMO, so it's not completely changing the formula like Elder Scrolls Online did. And it's adding survival elements, which personally I think is Fallout is the best franchise that they could add survival elements to. Fallout New Vegas is probably my favorite Fallout game of all time specifically because of its survival mode that actually lets bullets have weight. You have to worry about thirst and hunger levels and added the survival aspect to the game that I really cared about. If you fast traveled, totally fine. You can fast travel, but your character gets hungry and thirsty and sleep deprived depending on how far you go. You do have to sleep in beds. The worst bed you sleep in, you get like bad stats you're not tired anymore, but it's almost, you know, was it worth it? So I loved Fallout New Vegas's survival mode, and I'm super stoked to be able to play that better graphics, new infrastructure um, with friends here in Fallout 76. Yeah, I you know, it, it sounds a lot like any like a Skyrim game. It sounds like a Morrowind. It sounds like an Oblivion. Yeah. It sounds like a, exactly a Kingdom Come Deliverance set in this type of. Uh, survivalist post-apocalyptic world I, I, it sounds interesting and i and i know you are not sold on the soft core uh a survivalist thing i that might sell me on it because the reason i've kind of stayed away from games like like the survivalist games like rust and whatnot is because i don't like losing all my stuff that i work for yeah yeah nobody does i mean I, but there are hardcore players that are into that. And that's great. It's a new, like it's a relatively new thing where, you know, you can't save your progress. And for me, you've always been able to save your progress and go back to a save point, go back to a checkpoint, go back to a time before you lost everything. So I, I enjoy that. Some players want that challenge. They want that challenge of I've lost everything. Now I have to create a new character and start again. 
I don't want that in a Fallout game. I, yeah, and I don't like that aspect in survival games. So when I'm playing these games, I usually play on PVE servers, so I don't have to worry about other players griefing me. I still have to worry about, you know, in like an arc dinosaurs coming out and destroying me um, and losing all those valuable resources that I just explored and, and gathered. But um, it looks like that won't be the case in this game, and I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, uh, largest Fallout game ever made. Like you said, it's four times larger than Fallout 4. But you've got 24 players in that map. So if you look at it that way, it's only a sixth. Yeah, you're, you're really not going to come across players very often. Um, yeah, six players in a Fallout 4 map. That's still, you're probably not going to come across anyone ever. You're going to have to purposefully meet up with other players in order to work together or work against each other. But there will be those one-off uh, scenarios where you're just exploring and all of a sudden you're getting shot out from nowhere and it'll be fun to see you know those situations happen you know will it be a shootout will you make new friends what, what's going to happen you don't know what other players are thinking so there is a main story to this game it's not yes. just online so th- exactly so the, the kind of one of the big criticisms about like rust and conan and arc is that there is not really a story um, there is a, a main Fallout story to this. You well, will have a main campaign. I, you will I, have side quests. Can I interject here real quick? Yeah. I mean, does there have to be a main story? Like, I mean, I hate to use this example. I hate to use it, but I'm going to, Garrick. Okay. Seaman Thieves. There's no main story there. There's no story. It's just you get out of the sea, you go find pirate chests, you go find some skeletons, you get some stuff, and you take it back. Like, there's no, there's no story. It's all in your imagination. And that's, you know, Cab said that, that, you know, you got to use your imagination a little bit. Uh, in those types of games, isn't that where where it's at? It's not, you're not there for the story, you're there for the challenge. So I think this game will be centered around a lot of the experiences that you get personally while you're going through. And that's kind of what Seaman Thieves is like. You go through and, oh, I had this epic pirate fight. I came across this island. These guys started firing at me. We fought back. I jumped on their ship those experiences are cool um you're still gonna get those in in fallout 76 you're still gonna be like oh i came across this guy and then we fought but then you know we found out we lived near each other and now we made this community and then we found these key codes and we partnered with these other people near us and we blew up these other guys across the map i I think you're still gonna find those experiences fallout skyrim these traditionally single-player games have always had a story personally I have never played the story. <laughs> I always just go out and explore because it is all about the small little side things that go on. And this game taking place in West Virginia is super exciting because there's a lot of folklore going on in West Virginia that they're pulling from. Yeah, if you take a look at the the teaser trailer for the game, mm-hmm. I guess you yeah. could say like they play the Bob Denver, you know, uh, take me home country road song. The West Virginia, yeah. where I belong. Yeah, right. take me home, yeah. country road. All right, that's to enough. the land <laughs> I was born. Uh, combat's gonna be West uh, Virginia. Oh, okay, I'm done. Yeah, combat's gonna be what? Little different. Combat's gonna be essentially the same. the The main thing that people know Vats, or I mean, uh, Fallout Four, is the Vats system. This is kind of a, uh, kind of an auto aiming mode. It, it lets you basically slow down time to a crawl and aim at specific targets um, 
and you have a percentage chance to hit different body parts on them. Um, I always made builds in Fallout games where I have a lot of points to use in VATS, and I have a high accuracy for headshots. And usually when I pull off a successful headshot, it restores the points I used in VATS. It sounds like this game is still going to have a VATS system. It's just not going to slow down time at all. So for players not used to first-person shooters but love the RPG or setting of the Fallout games, you're still going to be able to pull up in VATS, aim at targets, and fire. You don't have to worry about twitch shooting. But you do have to worry about time. You don't have an infinite amount of time to kind of line up your shots and do like, oh, is this accuracy better than this or not? Or, you know, fire a couple times at this guy and that guy. You're not going to have enough time for that. You're just going to want to pull up bats quickly, pop up a few shots, and then kind of pull up bats on the next target. It sounds interesting. Like I think I think VAT stands for Vault Assisted. Uh, yeah, way to go. You don't even know what it stands for. Tech Assistant System? I don't even know. Yeah, the Vault Tech Assisted Targeting System. So something like that. Yeah, no, that's what it is. I'm looking. Oh. I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> I put it in my notes. You did. Yeah. Right. Vault Tech Assisted Targeting System. I yeah, just, that. Yeah, I just said that. Hey, so uh, how excited are you for this game compared to games like Spider Man or Red Dead Redemption Two? Personally, more excited for these. Like, yeah. I love Spider Man. I'm gonna pick it up day one. I got the collector's edition pre-ordered already, which you don't. Sorry, sucker. But I will play Spider-Man. I will be done with Spider-Man within a couple of weeks. And I will move on from there. There's so many freaking games coming out in September. It's stupid. (laughs) How stupid is it? It's so stupid. I mean, we're starting off with uh, September 4th, Destiny, the Forsaken DLC updates coming. So that's the first thing I'm going to be playing in September. But I'm only going to get a few days in that before Spider-Man comes out on the 7th. I'm going to just dive hardcore into that game we're also getting spyro trilogy on the 21st we're getting shadows of the tomb raider i think on the 24 no we're getting shadows of the tomb raider on the 14th so i'll have that coming out a week after spider-man as right. well Another game I'm um play. what else was coming out in september there's but, like three other games yeah doesn't sound like anything i'll be playing because i'm gonna be playing spider-man why would i play anything else that game Spider-Man. Is, i will i am spider-man i'm spider Let's uh, speaking of games we're going to talk about. We've only got a few minutes left, but okay. I kind of want to talk about why gamers play what gamers play. Because last week, and I say last week, four days ago, when we recorded the show, we we started talking about The Last of Us. Yes, because The Last of Us Two, uh, everyone lost their minds at E three over it, right? Yeah. So I've never played The Last of Us. And you kind of got into me because I... Because you were being a grumpy old man, for one. Sure. Okay, I'll cop to that. I'm a grumpy old man. And it still doesn't change the fact that The Last of Us isn't a game that I would ever play. And that's fine. Not all games are for everyone. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that. But I think, I think it would behoove us to take a look at why gamers do play certain games. So The Last of Us is a type of game that forces an emotional investment in a character that will probably die, no matter what it is you do, right? So the game is essentially on rails. The story, anyway, is on rails. The story is on rails, yeah. You are, you're going through this 
narrative that the developers have crafted for you and they're making you emotionally attached to these characters and their story is going to play off of that right and that story is what pulls at your emotions it pulls at your heartstrings it 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 forces you to be amped up in certain situations. It forces you to be angry in certain situations. It forces you to be very uh, emotional in others where you just very sad, very, so that that's what yeah. it's meant to do. Uh, almost in the way that uh, Game of Thrones is. It pulls you into characters and makes you hate them or love them. And there's you have no control over it. You have no control over the story. So, I mean, you can say this about any TV show. Or absolutely. Movie. Absolutely. Where video games, in my opinion, give the developer the opportunity to let the player be a bigger part of the story. To have more control of that story. To not, Any story that anybody writes is going to be on rails to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But games like Detroit Become Human deal with the same type of issues that games like The Last of Us deal with, but it puts the player in control of which direction the story's going to go. So while you get invested in these characters as a player, you're better able to uh, dictate what that, what, what, what that character is going to do, what direction they're going to take. Are they going to be a protagonist? Are they going to be an antagonist? Like, what are they in your story that you're making, right? So those are the type of games that I like more because not only do they deal with these very heady uh, uh, issues of the day, terrorism, abuse, uh, uh, sexism, uh, slavery, but they deal with, but they let you, the player, deal with them in the way that you want to. And video games are unique in that, that they give you, uh, not only are they entertaining you like a movie or a television show does, but they're giving you the opportunity to participate in it. Where games like The Last of Us don't really do that. You just get to play the story. You don't have a say in what direction the story goes. Yeah, there, there's kind of, Last of Us in particular has, has been noted this there's kind of this dichotomy of of gameplay one there's the story and two there's the actual gameplay itself and it's been said that without the story of the last of us and how it's written and how it involves you if it was just based on the gameplay of the last of us it would be a terrible game personally i don't feel that way because i i personally really liked the gameplay it was kind of almost survival craft materials stealth ish in some ways um, which I really enjoyed, but I completely understand what you're saying. Like the, the story for the last of us is completely on rails. You don't really have much say you're doing on the story aspect of it in the interim to get to the next part of the story. You're playing this gameplay element. That's completely different from the story element. Yeah. And I, look, I've, I haven't played The Last of Us, so I can't speak to the gameplay aspect versus the story. And if the story wasn't there, what, what, is it still a terrible game? But let me ask you this. If the story was terrible, if the story didn't suck you in to The Last of Us, would you still say that the gameplay was fun? Probably, yeah. Really? 
yeah, I, I just I like that aspect. And case in point, Tomb Raider. I do not care about Tomb Raider's story whatsoever. But the gameplay in Tomb Raider is almost exactly the, the similar kind of gameplay that you get out of The Last of Us. You are this one person, you're outnumbered. It's not Uncharted where you're Nathan Drake who can gun down a thousand guys, no worries. You are a little bit more survival focused. It is um, finding resources and, and crafting a camp and crafting materials and having enough arrows and stuff for, for your, your weapon. And I really like the gameplay of Tomb Raider um whereas not the story so i would say yeah i would still like the gameplay of the last of us all right well that's fair i think that i i think that's fair but let's talk about what drives gamers right so Mm -hmm. for you it's not so much the story because in some instances you could give a rip about the story it's more it's more the gameplay and what you find enjoyable making the character on the screen do things yeah, for me, it's it's not so much the story as it is progression. I like, um, in particular, beginnings. I, I like seeing a character from nothing start gaining things. And that's probably why I never beat too many video games is because I don't like finality. I don't like them being so powerful that they can beat the super awesome force that's in the game. I, I like that struggle in the beginning. Right. And so and some gamers just enjoy the struggle, not so much the beginning. They won't, especially in games where you can create your own character, they won't sit there and hem and haw over what their character looks like and the characteristics of their character. They just want to get into the game and get that struggle and experience that struggle. And that's fine. And that's those those types of players enjoy games like Rust. They enjoy those survivalist games, right, where, where it is a struggle. And that's why that's such a niche uh, uh, genre right now and yeah it probably will continue to be for some time and it'll probably expand and get bigger and, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that and then there are those of us that like the ending they like feeling like they completed something like they accomplished something that was bigger than themselves and i think especially with games like the last of us or or detroit become human where the story deals with these these big issues that society struggles with and society has struggled with for thousands of years like how do you how do you do this what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be a man what does it mean to be a woman what does it mean to be a boy what does it mean to be a girl what does it mean to treat others the way you want to be treated you know what do you do when you have just even just a little bit of power you know i think these these big issues that that everybody deals with on a day in day out basis and we as a as a species deal with uh, as a whole I, some of us really like that. And so it doesn't matter about the gameplay. It's the story. And then there are those of us that want not only the story to be good, but we want to be a part of it. We want to feel a part of it. And I think video games since the beginning have done that. It has been a new medium that uh, of entertainment that allows people to feel like they're a part of the story, even when the story is on rails to a point. Like I'm sure the Spider-Man game is going to be on rails. There are going to be side missions, yes, and they are going to seem very random, but they're going to be finite. They're not going to be uh, infinite. They're not going to be infinitely different, and there's not going to be mm-hmm. infinite number of outcomes. There's going to be one outcome. Like when you yeah. finish the game, like that's it. And those games are still fun, and it makes you feel like a hero. It makes you feel like you have done something heroic. 
when all you have done is sat on your couch for seven hours and played Spider-Man. I don't think you're going to beat Spider-Man in seven hours. But you yes. don't live my life. <laughs> Good luck to you, Crowley. Thanks. Report back to me on September 7th seven at hours 7 a.m. Right. <laughs> Uh, I just, I, I, you know, I just think that there are certain games that call to us as gamers, uh, and each one of those is different for everybody else. And so while I may have seemed critical at the time of The Last of Us just because I don't want to play it, doesn't mean that it's a bad game. It just means it's not a game for me. So to me, it's a bad game. But it, exactly. And that's kind of like Detroit for me is that's why I said I would rather just watch this game. I want David Cage to tell me the story for me. I don't like the the kind of choosy story aspect. I want to be told a story. I like the on rails better than I do the the sense of I have a direct control over the outcome of the story. No. And you know what? And, and that's probably fair. But I think that we've gone come a long way uh, from the, the, the days of choose a or choose B like you yeah. can only choose one or two. And then the story's only going to split off in one or two directions. And as we saw from the tree in Detroit become human at the end of every mission, Holy balls. Like yeah. there are a ton of different outcomes. There are a ton of different ways the story can go. So the fact that this guy, Cage put together this story in such a complete way that he saw how every scenario could play out is, I think, a testament to him and his team. And I think that Detroit Become Human deserves to be lauded for it. Whether or not it's your your cup of tea, it has come a long way from what has probably turned a lot of gamers off from this type of game in the past, which is that you've only got two outcomes that you can choose. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. Right. And you'll see the story to the end, but it's either a or B. This is a B C D E F G H I J K. Like there's that many different outcomes to this, to, to these types of games. Now, if they're done correctly, like Detroit become human. So hopefully we'll see more of that. And I just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit because it does, it's, it, you know, every gamer has different reasons why they game. Cab has different reasons that he games on Xbox than he does on PS4. Uh, Garrick has different reasons that he games on the Nintendo Switch than he does the Xbox. <laughs> and I have different reasons that I game on PS4 than I you know, do on Nintendo Switch. And even more people are starting to game on PC uh, than they game on consoles. So I think, you know. Everybody has their own reasons, and I think we, at the end of the day, we can all get along, but we're also going to give each other crap because we're gamers. So just get over it. Now, you made me curious. I had to look this up, but I was curious. So what was the first game that actually had multiple endings? And the first one was actually in 1983. It's called Portopia Serial Murder Case, and it had eight <laughs> different endings. The same year... Nobunaga's Ambition came out. It also had eight different endings. I thought that was very interesting. I'm glad you looked that up. Uh, I'm all. I'm very upset still that you looked up Anonymous at the beginning of the show, and now we will have to change it. <laughs> ah, suck it. All right. There we go. That's the show. Uh, we'll be back next week when we talk about other things that are related to gaming that we don't know about yet. Because that's just how we roll, because we're bad gamers, and now we know what Anonymous means. <laughs> We'll